Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Friday is upon us. Some interesting things happening within the market trade. We're going to talk about some very high prices for corn and beans. Not so much on the wheat, but a big focus that we're going to look at South America. You know the old saying, rain makes grain. So don't be uh, knocking any rain forecasts out of the possibility for some big numbers to come out of South America. We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more on today's conversation with Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. And let's start out with the fact that uh, markets are really high right now when it comes to prices for corn and beans. They sure are. You know, I think it's so easy to get conditioned into thinking that prices are never going to fall down when they've been this high or prices are never going to rally again. Like when we were in that 2014 to 2020 stretch, but we see markets stay in certain ranges for a while, but they never stay there forever. We've been really strong for a long time. This all started back in really April, May, June in the soybeans of 2020, then corn joined the party in August of 20. And, you know, we've been up in this 6 to $8 range for a couple of years now. And these corn prices and bean prices sitting at almost 7 bucks in corn, $15 in old crop beans, these are historically record high prices. And I think we've gotten a little complacent because we think they're always going to be here. And I really don't think they are. I think we're going to be heading lower as we find more out about our South American crops. But on the wheat side, I mean, folks might be saying, yeah, but we've got some low prices, but compared to what we did have, what are your thoughts on this wheat complex? Well, I'm still bearish wheat, but yes, that's correct. I mean, we got up to $13 with the invasion of Russia going into Ukraine and all the problems with some of the demand or excuse me, the supply side of things around the world with the Canadian problem a couple of years ago. We've had other issues like this year, wheat crop in Argentina was about half, but we saw a lot of things take place in the feed grain side over the last two years with weather problems along with Russia invading Ukraine. So we skyrocketed to 13 bucks and now it's basically, um, you know, 60, 55% of that price. And so it seems like it's really cheap, but $7 and 40 cent wheat for Chicago class is still really expensive wheat. Most of the time we're under five or $6 wheat. So I think we can go lower. It's just compared to what it's done, it seems awful cheap, but compared to normal, it's still expensive. Before we jump into uh, more of South America, I kind of wanted to follow back on a, on a tweet that you sent out uh, earlier today. First of all, I want to know if those rabbits are in your office. And uh, <clears throat> second of all, to say the Chinese holiday is underway. And for folks that don't know, it is the year of the rabbit. And you did have a picture of two rabbits in a cage, separate cages um, on your on your tweet that went out. But having said that, China's going to be pretty quiet for the next month. Yeah, I think, you know, last year they were real busy over their New Year holiday. I I don't know if that was because of the invasion. They knew that was coming or what, but they did a lot of buying last year. Typically they don't. I think they'll be quiet this year. I don't expect them to do a lot of buying. Uh, I know we've sold a lot of bean puts, at-the-money bean puts. I know there's been somebody selling a lot of those. Could that be China? It's possible. And they might need to buy beans as this Brazilian harvest gets started off a little bit slow. Uh, But I think I'm not expecting a lot of announcements while they're on holiday. Those bunnies aren't in my office, by the way, but they are my bunnies. They're at my house. 
And uh, those are my grandkids' bunnies that uh, their parents didn't want at their house. So they're at my house. I take care of them. (laughs) What a great representation as we head into the year of the rabbit with China. So hopefully those will bring some good luck for agriculture here. There you go. (laughs) Let's look at uh, lost yields Um, in Argentina. We continue to hear about the dryness that's there. We saw that in the the WASDE report of last week. But good things in Brazil. Uh, First of all, with Argentina. Yeah, Argentina's had a lot of devastation already uh, to that crop, irreversible damage on the first half of the corn crop. Probably 65, 70% of the beans have been whacked pretty good. But those beans have the ability to recover, and we've seen some pretty good rains come through even today, but also forecasts to continue through the weekend. Even in the longer-range forecast, there's more rain available. So a lot of areas in the major growing regions of Argentina are going to see one, two, three, four inches of rain over the next 15 days. That's going to go a long way to not only repairing what is there and viable to be repaired on the bean side, but also the corn side, which was later planted. In fact, 11% of the corn still has to be planted, probably get planted in the next seven to 10 days. But half of that crop's gone in after December 15th. As a result, it's B3, B4, B5, B6. It's in its early plant stages. And it will be able to add a lot of value as far as bushels to that crop with these rains coming through. It's not too late. And so I don't think we're going to be as low as some people are thinking. I think the bean crop could be back in that 41 to 43 range, not 36. And I think the corn crop could be as high as 46, not 40, 42. So I think that could be a surprise as we roll forward here another three or four weeks in time. Well, you know, that saying of of rain makes grain, I think it just really puts into what you just said, that we've got some rains coming, so don't count this this crop out yet. Well, it's exactly right, Susan. And, and, you know, you're in the Western Corn Belt, and all the growers listen to this in the Western Corn Belt. They know how hard hit they were by drought this past year. They also know that they caught a rain somewhere on their farm, like in this field versus that field, one rain, one one-inch rain in July that nobody else got could make 50, 60, 70 bushel difference. And so this is not too late for Argentina to stop the decline and even add some bushels back. And I think you'll be surprised at where that crop might be after these rains. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. As we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell, we'll continue to look at some things that are happening in South America. Where are they when it comes to corn planting? We'll take a look at the basis as well and some interesting things happening on the livestock side. It's a lot happening on this Friday version. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. And in the front half, we did a big focus on what was going on in South America. Obviously, some some much-needed rains are coming their way. And, and Darren, you mentioned about the, the lateness of this crop being planted, which is good news for the growers there, as we mentioned in the first half. But as we look at the big picture, could that put some pressure on us here in the U.S.? 
You know, it really could because I think a lot of us have dialed in a much smaller crop. And, you know, over the last three or four years, the trend in Argentina has been to plant later and later and later. And so stretch that planting out. And they're still planting right now. Now it's the last 10% of the crop, basically. But a lot of that crop will be young enough to respond to these rains. That will give them more advantages when it comes to producing a bigger crop than maybe what we've been expecting. And that will mean that there's going to be more competition as we get into our summer and they harvest. Sabrina comes on for the export business. We know, everyone knows we're lagging in exports. And we should have this window coming up from February, March into June where we can export corn. But now with Argentina, some of that corn coming into the marketplace, maybe more than what we thought, that will be added competition, especially from July on. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But that certainly isn't a friendly thing for our corn prices. Well, you know that there's many that are banking on getting some more moisture here in the States, especially after the dry uh, year we had last year. And if history repeats itself, 2012 was a dry year. 2013 was a wet year, especially with California in 13 getting their rain. So I'm kind of hoping that that moisture of California influences maybe some moisture here in the Midwest, which could bring some good news for our producers. Well, it really could. And and while I can't say there's been a weather change yet in our western plains, there is the hint there's some more snow, some more moisture. Obviously, what's happened out west in California is like record rain, right? And that that is what happened uh, here about nine years ago. And so we can only hope that you guys out there get more moisture for, for all the animals and, and everything that you have to do as far as growing the crop, feeding the animals and producing hay and and all those good things. But boy, the drought was severe last year. Usually droughts don't last forever. They're always a one or two year, maybe a three year event. And uh, there's places in Kansas that it's just a dust bowl down there, almost like it was in the 30s. So we need to see a change in that weather pattern. And hopefully we will. But right now, there's just not that pattern confirmation change. But there is a hope as we see more moisture coming into that area. And that kind of leads into a comment that you had made to me before we started this program, Darren, was we could head lower into May, June. Yeah, I think the grain markets are very susceptible here. You know, as you look at what's coming off in Brazil, but then maybe Argentina's crop not as bad, we're going to have probably more acres in corn, two, three, maybe even four million acres. Maybe spring wheat acres will be up a little at the expense of soybeans because of Brazilian crop. And, you know, then we get off to a good start because it might be a little wetter in the spring because we're moving from La Nina to El Nino. But talking about weather guys, they don't know if they'll be planting delays, just be a little wetter. And this is probably going to lead us into a pretty big crop year where maybe that 180, 182 trend line yield will be accomplished this year. And if that is the case, prices will be headed a lot lower. Let's switch gears and look at this cattle market as, as you look at the big picture for them. Are you a little bearish on what you see in these numbers? You know, I am a little bit bearish. I know as we move forward in time, we still have this contracting herd. But, you know, we got a lot of economic headwinds. And we know that while our counts are down, we know that also, you know, we're just not getting the performance out of the cash market we'd like to see. The charts look a little tired. And if you look at the longer term charts, seasonally, we're looking for a top here in the first 12 weeks of this year. So it could be now, it could be in the next four to six weeks. But I do think April and June and on are going to head lower, substantially lower here over the next six to eight months. So I'm not bearish into 25. I'm really bullish into 25. But for the next two years, 
you know, I think we could have some pretty tough flooding here in the cattle market. Now, looking at that, uh, those concerns for the cattle market, we're hearing, and I don't know what you've heard, uh, about some heifer retention, um, going on in the western, um, Montana, Colorado area because they've gotten some moisture. Uh, is that the possibility that could be a revitalization and throwing some positive spins for these cattle? It's possible. You know, something's going to make us move down to that 125 level. And that could be, you know, one of the reasons, right? Or economic headwinds hurting our demand or the lack of exports or any of that. But um, what I'm looking for over the next six to eight months is cattle moving lower and then forming a bottom in that 125 area and moving all the way up into the 190s by the time we get to the end of 2025. So longer term, I think we got higher to go. But I think the cattle now, you know, we haven't had prices this high since 13, 14. So we got to reward these. We got to be really aggressive, I think, on hedging them. And then, you know, hey, six, eight, nine months from now, maybe we can take those hedges off and look higher for about 18 to 20 months as we move higher into 25. So what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren? Well, they can call us toll free at 866-249-2528 or look me up on Twitter. I'm at Fry underscore WSS. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.